0: Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is Carl Picard, who is a noted psychologist, speaker, parenting expert, and now he's retired from private counseling practice. He received his B.A. and M.E.D. from Harvard University and his Ph.D., from the University of Texas at Austin. He is a member of the American and Texas Psychology Associations. He writes a popular parenting advice column for Psychology Today, and has written some of the most practical and helpful books about parenting, including The Connected Father, Stop the Screaming, The Future of Your Only Child, and Why Good Kids Act Cruel. He's a prolific author, and he continues to write three distinct books about illustrated psychology, of -of coming-of-age fiction, and of non-fiction parenting advice. Holding on white, uh, holding on while letting go—the seventeenth of three parenting books. Welcome, Carl.
1: Hey, it's good to be with you, Alan.
0: So, how did you get interested in the field of parenting?
1: Well, uh, like many of the major changes in my life, uh, it came about through happenstance many, many years ago, uh, I, the job I had, I lost my funding for that job, and my wife with two little kids was at home, and I had to figure out what am I going to do next. And I had some friends who were in private practice, so I talked to a number of them, and I thought, well, that might be something I could try. And I, one of the guys, Tom, said, you know, if you're going to do that, you need a specialty. And I said, really? I didn't know you needed a specialty. He said, yeah, that helps identify you. Uh, I said, well, like, what kind of a specialty? He said, well, you know, parents are going through a lot of trials with their teenagers. You could do something about that. And I thought, well, that sounds good good to me. Uh, And so then I actually, I... I sold a weekly column to the local paper, the Austin American Statesman, Parenting the Teenager, which I wrote for uh, a couple of years. And that plus giving parenting talks kind of got me started. And I've been exploring the common of the coming of age passage ever since then, uh, both in the nonfiction and parenting books, but also in fiction because I write, I've written some novels too. Uh, and I love the coming of age story. Uh, And it never gets old, and it's always interesting, and there's always more to learn. So uh, I feel very lucky that happenstance looked my
0: way. Now, recently you wrote a book called Holding On While Letting Go. Tell me about your book.
1: Well, that book is basically, I hope, uh, to prepare parents for the coming-of-age passage with their child. And that is, you know, what we call adolescence. It's a 10 to 12 journey uh, from the separation from childhood in late elementary school to the departure into independence, sometimes during the college-age years. Uh, And over time, a lot of changes happen. This in no way says that parents are destined to go through some kind of agony when their kid enters adolescence. That is simply not so. The, you know, the quote, terrible teenager is largely mythical. Uh, however, that said, there will be changes because you're going to have the young person doing two things over the course of 10 to 12 years. And one of the, one of the ways they're going to be growing is they're going to be detaching uh, <coughs> for more independence, and they're going to be differentiating for more individuality. So that essentially by the end of adolescence, during the college age years, they are able to say, I can take care of and support myself and I know the individual who I am. Uh, And it takes a lot of effort to go through that redefining process. And what I believe is that if parents are prepared for what that journey of development looks like, they are more likely to respond in appropriate and not overreactive ways, and they're less likely to be surprised. They can say, I didn't didn't want this to happen and didn't look for it to happen, but since it did happen, I thought it might happen, and so now I can just deal with where we are. Uh, So essentially what the book is about is helping parents figure out where they need to keep holding on, and when, how they decide to do more letting go, because adolescence is a gathering of power, and the name of that power is freedom. And it's freedom to make your own decisions for yourself about your life. Uh, And parents have to decide when to hold on and to say, no, not yet, or I think you need some preparation for this, and when to let go and say, all right, you've shown enough responsibility. I think you're able to you know, take the next step, and we're willing to risk letting you do
0: that. You know, and I think that's important uh, to, as you say in your title, holding on while letting go. So, in other words, you need to make sure the child knows you love them, Thanks. that you care them, and you trust them enough to make their own mistakes.
1: Right. Yes, and a lot of, and that's a huge, that's a huge issue. Uh, I think parents really have to understand and commit to mistake-based education. Because just like in their own lives, you know, they've had to learn from the errors of their ways. So does the young person. Uh, And so you don't, you don't punish mistakes. You use mistakes for instructional purposes. To help the kid rethink what happened and decide if they were going to do this again, how would they do it differently, and what have they learned?
0: Yeah, and hopefully, along the way, the parent has given enough uh, confidence in their child and upbringing in their child that their child makes the right decisions along the way.
1: Oh, sure, and a child makes you know a child makes lots of right decisions. And it's good you said that because, I mean, that's, that's a huge part of the parenting responsibility, and that has to do with being able to recognize the good decisions being made to, and to compliment the kid on them and just to say, you are finding your way. You are making good choices, good for you.
0: And, and you know, I think children are going through those changes earlier in these days because of the things that are happening in society. Is that not right?
1: Well, I think, yeah, there's a bit of revolution so that, I mean, (laughs) my children have grown up in an age that I did not grow up in. I grew up in one world, basically, and that was the offline world, Children today are growing up in two worlds, the offline and the online. And what the online does is it obviates the old question. You know, the kids say, I want to know about this. And the parent could say years ago, wait until you're older and we will talk about that. That's no longer a viable response because now through the internet, you know, information of most any kind is only a click away. And so whenever the kid is curious or exhibits curiosity in something, that is the time to talk about it. And the parents say, I wish I didn't have to deal with this, you know, issues around substance use or sex or violations, rule violations early. Reality is, if that's where the kid's head is, it means that they need to, you know, parents need to help the kid think through, you know, what they're, you know, what they're considering and what they're looking
0: at. That's pretty important. So what are some of the common mistakes that parents make when parenting during the years of adolescence?
1: Well, I think at the outset, the, the adolescence, I think, starts somewhere in late elementary school, usually between ages nine and 13. And it starts with the separation from childhood. And I think, you know, the adolescence is about freedom, and the first freedom that I think kids assert as they enter the coming-of-age passage is the freedom uh, from rejection of childhood. Child saying, I no longer want to be treated, I no longer want to be defined as a little child anymore. I want something older and different. Um, Sometimes what happens is parents will take that rejection personally the parents will say well they don't love us anymore because they don't like cuddling with us and doing the old activities with us anymore and it's nothing to do it's not a rejection of parents it's a rejection of the old child identity the kid is separating from childhood to create room for it to grow to detach and to differentiate and it takes courage to enter adolescence Because this young person is giving up a huge amount of great traditional value. That is the closeness to parents, the commonality with parents, you know, the lack of relative, you know, uh, lack of much disagreement with parents. Uh, And now all of a sudden, you know, that relationship is changing. uh, And that's hard for the kid to do. Adolescence is an act of courage. And I think parents have to remember that. This kid is pushing ahead for one freedom after another, and each of those freedoms is scary in a different way.
0: Let's go through some of those freedoms that you talk about in your book, and maybe we can elaborate them on on those a little bit.
1: Well, the first the first freedom I think Brown ages nine to thirteen is 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 the opening of adolescence, and that's the separation from childhood. And there, that's the freedom. That's the freedom to essentially reject the old definition of childhood and to want something more, to want something different. Uh, and what parents tend to notice then has to do with the child. For example, may not want to have as much physical affection as they used to. An interesting one is where the, ch- where the child rejects the child names. So all of a sudden. The little boy says, don't call me Richie, call me Richard. And the little girl says, don't call me Lindy, call me Melinda. And what they're doing is they're using the formal statement of the name to essentially rename themselves in older terms. And that's that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out, how can I start redefining in older terms? What one of the things that I think parents need to remember with around this first freedom issue is that uh this kid is going to be much more distracted, much more disorganized because they've opened up they've literally opened up a world of stimulation and possibilities before, in addition to letting go a host of you know traditional ways of being that were of, of a lot of value to them. Uh, You know, sometimes, you know, the kid, people will talk about, well, the kid has some kind of an attention deficit. And it's not really an attention deficit, I think. What it is, it's an attention overload. The kid just doesn't know how to manage this host of possibilities that have now entered their world. And part of the parent job at that point is to provide the kind of support to help them stay sufficiently organized and sufficiently focused to be able to take care of the tasks at hand.
0: How can a parent facilitate this without it becoming antagonistic? Well,
1: it doesn't have to. It's not an antagonist. I mean, just because the child is asserting more differentness and diversity and disagreement, you know, that doesn't mean that in some way they are... Attacking the parent, they are redefining, and parents need to see it in redefinitional terms. And, you know, the, the, the mantra, at least in the first stage of adolescence, that is the, the rejection of childhood, is that you, you anticipate now more disagreement and you treat disagreement as the opportunity for discussion. All disagreements need to be used as a basis for discussion. You don't take offense at disagreements. You use them to essentially energize communication to keep you and the young person connected as adolescence is gradually growing you apart, which is what it's meant to do.
0: Now, you say it's growing apart. Is there a time when that will grow back together?
1: Not in the old way, no. No. You will never, the child will never have childhood again. The parents will never have the child as child again. That does not mean that they cannot have a deep and ongoing and loving relationship with each other. No, they cannot, you know, they cannot go back to childhood again.
0: No, I I guess what I was asking about in this relationship, It is redefined. Now, that means to me that it can be a very positive redefinition rather than a negative.
1: Oh, absolutely. And most of it is. Absolutely. Sure. Because the kid starts taking on new interests, new responsibilities, new ways of taking care of themselves, gathering new information that you're glad they know, following their curiosity to learn more. I mean, it's all of that. It's all. You know, I mean, that's why the myth of the terrible teenager is not helpful, uh, because, in fact, you know, it's, it's the coming of age passage is you know, I think it's just it's just marvelous. I know, you know, as a parent and, uh, you know, and seeing parents, I know that the magic of the childhood years, you know, is, you know, is hard not to miss. However, you know, when we're talking about the coming of age passage. We're talking about something much more powerful than the magic of the childhood years. We're talking about seeing the little girl grow into a young woman and the little boy grow into a young man and being part of that growing older transformation. And that is a truly magical experience.
0: Well, that's huge. And I think that is important that, this can be a magical experience rather than something that's detrimental can you elaborate on that a bit
1: well i think i mean i think the your your choice of words is good it doesn't have to be either it's going to be exciting or detrimental and that, that those are those are judgment responses parents have to keep themselves positively disposed to the changes going on, with the understanding that they don't control a lot. These are growth changes. They don't control those changes. Their job is to stay positively connected to this young person who is going through changes that they did not, I mean, they didn't literally sit down with a pad and say, I think I'm gonna change in A, B, and C ways what happens is they get caught up in growing to more independence, growing to more differentiation, and in the process, you know, of redefining, you know, they're just holding on as best they can and trying to develop themselves as best they can, and parents are trying to stay connected to this change as best they can.
0: And I think that is what's necessary. Is parents need to stay engaged. That is, I think, what is necessary in this whole process.
1: And I say it again. They need to stay and say it again.
0: Parents need to stay engaged.
1: Oh, engaged. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And that is the word. That is the word because if they, if they try to shut it down, if they criticize it, if they say, I, I don't want to deal with it, if they deal with it with denial or punishment or criticism, they are going to reduce the engagement that you're talking about. And I absolutely agree. That is the challenge. How to stay positively engaged with a child who is changing before my eyes and changing in relationship to me, and changing in unexpected ways that I don't always anticipate.
0: So I think what we're talking about is this is the key to having a fantastic life with a teenager, is to stay engaged, stay mutual respective, and stay in the picture. Oh, that's
1: beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's a really nice statement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes, you know, if you have a pair parent who's, you know, who's anxious, who feels out of control, who doesn't know what's happening, it's a challenge to meet the criteria that you talk about, the engagement criteria. But that is in fact the goal, absolutely.
0: Okay, that's huge. Okay. Now we're getting close to our time frame together. How can people find out more about your book and what you have to offer?
1: Well, a few ways. One is uh you can get the book on any any of the internet book outlets or your bookstore, so it's available there. Uh for more about me, I have a website, www.carlpickard.com. Uh probably the best way to get out, get in touch with the kind of writing that I do is to go to Psychology Today and I write a blog for Psychology Today called uh, Surviving Your Child's Adolescence. And I've done that for about 10 or 15 years. And there are just lots, of, I don't know, I've written about five or 600 topics about the issue. So they're there for the reading, you know, if you were interested.
0: Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you so much for being so informative, Carl. I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of this.
1: Well, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed being with you, Alan. It's been been fun. You had great questions.
0: Excellent. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check out my website as well, drallenlyca.com. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N, l -L L y c k a L-Y-C-K-A.com. There you'll find a lot of resources. And please be sure to sign up for a golden pearl a week that is sure to enhance your life and your schedule when you see them arrive in your mailbox every Tuesday. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode.